it's the body of Christ, but it's also your body and your body and your body. <laughs> I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we have a guest. We do. Very exciting. Eliana La Casa is a bilingual Argentinian stand up comedian. She's been featured on Comedy Central Latino America as well as BBC Radio 4. She was voted Best Stand Up Comedian of 2021 by the Chicago Reader. She moved to the U.S. in 2021 and has since fallen in love with storytelling. She affirms she moved to pursue comedy, but her real goal is to try every single vegan restaurant in Chicago. That's an excellent goal. <laughs> I will have to get some some tips from you after this. Your bio, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Like, everything is awesome. <laughs> I love storytelling. I was, um, oh, I still am a company member of Second Story in Chicago. Um, I love, I love, I love all stories. I could just sit around and listen to stories all day. So I'm very excited yeah. to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I'm going to have to look into it because I'm still like a baby into the storytelling world. So everything is very There's a lot out there in Chicago, especially. There is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess I'll have to tell listeners and I guess you, Steph, because maybe I don't, can't remember what I told you. Uh, the way, so Eliana, you and I met. We initially very briefly met at the Moth, mm-hmm. Chicago, because we both performed on the same night and you won as as it should have been because your story was hilarious. <laughs> it's a story about uh, you uh, meeting your husband, dating your husband. It was very funny. And hiding how poor I was at the time. <laughs> yes. Because now we all know I'm a millionaire because it only takes two right. years in this wonderful country to go from. Especially when you're really, I know you have other work, but especially in comedy and storytelling, that's where the big money is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know why more people don't do it. I mean, right? So easy. It's a gold mine. Yeah. (laughs) So overlooked. And then, and then Eliana and I ended up performing in the same showcase at the Filet of Solo festival. Yeah. In Chicago at Lifeline Theater, which is over now but in the future everyone should check them out it was a great festival always great and the funny thing is there were only four of us in this particular lineup Mm -hmm. and we did not know each other's stories like we didn't even know who i didn't know who's going to be there other than nestor gomez who is the organizer who's amazing yeah and then Eliana and I were right after the other, and we both told Catholic stories. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I want to hear <laughs> them. Accidental Catholic theme. Sorry, guys. Very much so. So, yeah, I was like, well, now you have to be on the podcast. Yes, I please. Have a lot more Thank questions you. After your story. <laughs> yeah, and after you mentioned it, I started listening to it, and I, I think I'm on episode five or six now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I want to know everything. Yes. Okay, I should probably do a very brief intro, which is I'm from Argentina. I lived in Argentina till I was like 31. Wow. Where in Argentina? I mean, I don't know it really, but where? <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> so Argentina, it's a huge country. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the bottom of the map. And it's basically... So it was a Spanish colony. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, where do I begin? Where do I start? <laughs> 
<laughs> You're correct that Americans don't know things about um, South America. So, so yeah, it's next to Chile and Bolivia and Brazil and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it was a Spanish colony for like 200, 300 years. And mm-hmm. the Spanish were Catholic. And so they implemented the Catholic Church in Argentina. Mm-hmm. As they did. <laughs> And very much so, we still have a lot of the remains of Mm -hmm. that tradition, not only culturally, but it's still very ingrained in our law. So I did do a little Mm. research to be able to like say the right thing because I didn't want to be spilling misinformation. Because we're all about hard-hitting journalism. Yeah, I don't know how many times on this podcast I'm like, I don't know, someone correct me if you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm like, we won't be upset. How many Argentinian listeners do you have that are also so well informed that they're going to be like, actually, that's from 1958. (laughs) You know, there's always one. True. Yeah, there's always one. (laughs) My grandparents were Spanish. Like Argentina has had many different waves of immigration Mm -hmm. from Spain. Mm -hmm. Spain is a big part of our population. And my grandparents are one of them. They were fleeing the civil war and... Mm-hmm. They ended in Argentina because whenever Argentina is doing bad, Argentinians go to Spain and whatever Sp- Spanish are doing bad, they go to Argentina. We have that. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> uh, we're like wow. little castings that just crush each other's couch whenever it's <laughs> time of need. <laughs> and they were Catholic because Spain or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have a very close relationship Because Spain. <laughs> Uh, sure. And so I did have like the the family pass like passively passing along of religion, mm-hmm. but the way it's affected me the most has been more of a civil and political sense, not necessarily yeah. in my very very personal life. But I, as I became like a conscious political being, I was like, oh, this is where all these restrictions are coming from or where all of these mm. implications are coming from or what yeah. what people mean by this and I'm like oh it's coming from here it's hmm. and so I do I do think I'm the first I, I haven't listened to all the episodes yet but I do think I am the one that went through apostasy am I oh I think you might be I did bring my certificate because like <laughs> you so like, you denounced it it's like fighting a, a Chicago ticket, you know? It's like... Wow! <laughs> I so can't believe you Chicago did it! Yeah. You did it. We have someone. Yeah. Right, that was how we started. It's like it's very hard to un-Catholic yourself. You can, you can lapse. You did oh it! Oh my gosh! Oh, got, wow. wow. Okay, and for listeners... We're going to have to get a picture of that <laughs> for our Instagram. She just flashed her certificate <laughs> of no longer being Catholic. That is okay. amazing. That's... Yeah. Incredible. So we need to start. So you were baptized Catholic, I assume, if you have that certificate. I do have it. Because you had to get out of something. Yes. (laughs) This is the... Wow. And this is the... That's your apostasy. Oh, man. There's so many visuals. And they're both handwritten. I don't know if you can tell. Because I'm... I love it. I was born in 91. These were still handwritten. And basically... Yeah. This is the part where it says... According to whoever, 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 starting today, apostasy has been requested by this person, and we granted. Wow. wow. Is it from the Vatican, or is it from your diocese, or? Um, according to, just a notary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Notaries can do anything, apparently. Um, wow. but, but so the process is that you have to um, send a letter to your diet. Can you pronounce diocese? it again? Diocese. Diocese. Yeah. Diocese. And they answer back uh, saying they granted. And with that piece of paper, you can go to the parish where you were baptized and literally the human being behind the desk has to do it for you. So oh. if you don't have your baptism certificate, you don't know which parish to go to. Right. Right. Or maybe that parish no longer exists. So you're stuck in the system right. or you forgot. Wow. And so you you definitely need your birth certificate or you can't do it. Wow. They've, they've got you for life if you lose a piece of yeah. paper. Wow. Yeah. It's harder than closing a, a credit card. And it has to all be handwritten in person, all that stuff, or at least it was when you did it. Yeah, still. Uh, basically, I, I was very lucky that I lived like 10 minutes away from the parish where I was baptized. Yeah. But mm. if you moved, like, how do you just go there right. and be like, hi, is the secretary here? I'm here to pick up my certificate. And they're like, what certificate? Yeah. Do they give you like a lot of attitude? Because you're... No. They're super friendly. No? Okay, so it's like, like oh, you're leaving? No, I don't know. They're super <laughs> well, that's friendly. That's very nice. Very good. Um, I don't know how often they get one of these. because Yeah, they might have been really excited to do it. <laughs> most people don't know it exists. Uh, no. The people who know it exists, they think it's impossible to do. That's like what I had read. Yeah. They just don't know. Or again, all these obstacles where you don't live there anymore or the parish doesn't exist or they change their address. or um, There's a lot of like... It took me like a whole year because I, I I originally mailed the wrong. I'm like, I don't know the structure of this company. Like, who right. is the bishop? Who is the archbishop? Who is the, like, am I emailing the Vatican? Like, I don't understand who I'm Bro, That's what to. I would think you'd have to do. Yeah. So what was, what was it that you're like, I have to get, I this is, I'm done with the church. What was your the um, straw? Yeah, the final straw. <laughs> I imagine it wasn't just one thing, as I'm guessing. No. <laughs> Basically, so I went to a Catholic school from mm -hmm. first to third grade. And that's because the way... So Argentina's constitution is Catholic. Wow. Mm. Okay. So no no says, separation of church and state. Um, so here's the thing. It's federally Catholic. Federally Catholic. Federally Catholic. Wow. And then there's an article where it says like individuals can profess whatever religion they want. Mm. Like there's religious freedom for uh. the population, but structurally. But our laws are Catholic. And wow. basically one of the, so there's like many different ways in, in which that actually impacts life. One is that uh -huh. um, Argentina for like the past 40 years has paid for bishops, archbishops and seminaries mm. uh, salaries. Until so they, 2018, where... Wow. Yeah, that changed in oh 2018 and actually went into effect last December. Did oh they have gosh. to take a little pay cut? Wow. They, <laughs> surprisingly, they they quit. They they um, gave it up. The bishops gave it up, not the church or the state saying we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because uh, we had our... There was the debate for uh, abortion in Argentina uh -huh. in 2018. Mm, yeah. It went through the actual process of being debated in Congress for the first time in 2018. And 
the Catholic Church had opposed to it, just like it opposed divorce right. and women voting and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just what for the purpose of this conversation when I say voting I mean casting a ballot not sailing okay because I okay <laughs> I pronounce them the same we understand <laughs> and so when that discussion was taking place one of the things that kind of came up was like oh but right now the government is transferring like 130 million pesos which doesn't translate to dollars at this point, but a huge amount of money to the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And then they're like also getting involved in this political situation. Mm. Like there, there's mm. definitely a conflict of interest here. And the Catholic Church was like, we don't need your money. We just want to be involved. Like if it's oh. if this little money that we get from you, which is only like 7% of our budget is going to not let us speak up. We don't want this money anymore. Oh. Well, wow. But we want to sit at the table. Ugh. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there's many other ways in which that happens. And one of the ones that impacted me the most was the fact that today all parishes in Argentina and all Catholic schools in Argentina basically got the land that they are on and the structures that they are on basically for free during colonial times. Mm -hmm. So they had been living rent-free for yes. 400 years at this point. That means that schools that are Catholic can have uh, smaller fees uh, because mm. they, they have less expenses. And on right. top of that, they receive subsidies because there are religious endeavor. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on top of that, they don't pay for two taxes. One is profit, which is when you make more than a certain amount, there's like a tax the rich kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the regular taxes, which is like, you know how in Chicago you take you pay 10% over whatever you purchase. <laughs> yes. In Argentina, it's 21%. Woo! We get healthcare, so Oh yeah, that's I mean, <laughs> sounds great. You give you take. I would I would act I would I, I would, would make that trade. I would, in a sure. heartbeat, yeah. And so yeah. um they don't have to pay that. So that makes mm. it so oh. that right now in Argentina you have public schools. Mm -hmm. And then you have private schools. And mm -hmm. the big, big difference is that in private schools, you have the religious and the non-religious. The mm -hmm. religious can have tuition be insignificant and mm -hmm. non-religious have to pay for the building. They have to pay right. for the structure. They have to pay the incomes. They have to pay yeah. taxes. They have to, So it's for rich only. And people mm -hmm. who are like, oh, I want to give my kid like a, private education that's going to be slightly better than public education at this point, which we op oppose <laughs> mm -hmm. generally, yeah. they end up going to the Catholic ones. And so I was one of those kids that my parents were like, oh, my kid is smart. I'm going to do my best to give them the best education that I can afford. Mm -hmm. And it fell right in between public education and private secular education. So I ended up going to this Catholic school. Oh. Yeah. My family not knowing that this was a extremely extremist school because when they interviewed um. for the school my dad mentioned that he was divorced and he was not a practicing catholic and they were like oh, totally fine everybody's welcome in the house of the lord and so on so on so on but then and they when, got you in there and when my parents got divorced that's when they got involved and they're like oh no this is completely unacceptable oh wow and I started seeing I was very young but I started seeing stuff that I was like that what what does this mean Right. And one of the things that I saw was, for example, 
there were these afternoons on Saturdays where basically parents who have need time off from their kids, they can drop their kids at school for yeah. the Saturday. And we would have activities and they would be between praying and games and a little bit of teaching and some form of activity. And they would split kids in men and women. And the guys would be called the escuderos, which is basically the fighters, oh. the soldiers. Okay. And the women would be called caperuzas, which is what's the kid's tail with the girl with the hooded, the red hooded, red riding, little hood? red riding hood. Yeah, that's what the girls would be called. Oh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> huh. I don't think this has any particular, like, I don't think you can trace this to the Bible in any particular way. (laughs) But this is the interpretation this school had of, I'm still trying to understand what that meant. And, well, I left that school for many different reasons. My parents weren't happy. I wasn't happy. But as I kept getting older, it kind of all started to get weirder. Like, the school that I was a part of ended up being involved with Opus Dei. You're the second person who has talked about Opus Dei. Mm-hmm. We had a guest who grew up in Costa Rica who talked about a school involved. Oh, that's uh, right. Connected to Opus Dei. And I, it was nothing I knew about. And I Googled it after and I was like, well, this is all terrifying stuff. It's the KKK of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. basically. It's like mm-hmm. the most extremist branch. And they were involved in the Argentinian dictatorship. Oh. There was a genocide and... They either murdered or disappeared 30,000 people. And uh, one of the things that I <laughs> that I found was like, I was like 19 and I, I found one of my former schoolmates on Facebook and they were asking for their dad to be released from prison. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know her dad was in prison. And when I read the whole thing, her dad is, was in the military and was involved in the last military dictatorship. Oh, wow. And he was in prison as part of the trials that in prison, everybody who was involved in the dictatorship, which is a case where Argentina is like internationally praised for actually putting these people in prison. Yeah. There's no country does that because they're too afraid of the right. backlash from these authorities. And Argentina is one of the few countries that actually did. Mm. Yeah. And this girl was like, no, my dad is a hero. And I'm like, oh, yikes. <laughs> wow you're like but no okay so you were in first through third grade though at catholic school you're de- was your mom a practicing catholic or neither of your parents at that time no no neither they were both raised catholic but then were not practicing is that right no not really okay. my mom was raised catholic and catholic was the only uh little freedom she had like her parents were very on top of her stuff and for example going to retreats was the only freedom she had as a teenager. Sure. So in a way, that was her safe place. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he joined the Communist Party when he was 16. So... Oh, wow. (laughs) Not Catholic. (laughs) Not Catholic. (laughs) Not Catholic. And he did end up like remarrying um, four different wives that all were Catholic or like Catholic, (laughs) non-practicing Catholics. Yeah. And so he's been like, against his will, I'm air quoting here because it's like, you're a grown up. Um, like, I, I think he got baptized in order to marry in church his first mm. wife. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you did what you chose to do, dad. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. He wouldn't be the first. People definitely do that. So if you either your parents were very Catholic, they still chose to baptize you, though. Yes. And or is that something is, you have to do? And that is one of my uh, mission, <laughs> missions in this lifetime. Because <laughs> uh, right now, baptizing your kid uh-huh. in Argentina, it's kind of, it's a synonym of, it's my kid's first birthday. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of indivisible. So yeah. for some reason, people don't think that they need to think about that to consider that right. and they like of course there's religious people who are baptizing and right. sure they they fully understand what they're going through but for the most part it's just people that are just following whatever the mm-hmm. past generation did and so we're having all these baptized people who will never set foot in a church ever yeah but it's just like what you do yeah Got it's it. like you get the birth certificate and then you get baptized i didn't know they were two separate things yeah. And then did, since you were in Catholic school for first through third grade, did you end up doing your first confession and first communion? So what happened was I left in third grade and in Argentina, we do it in fourth grade. Oh, oh. you got you got out of there. So you just barely. <laughs> but wait. Uh-oh. Oh, wait, there's a twist. Good there's storytelling. Twist. Oh, no. <laughs> so I switched to a non-Catholic school and I went to fourth grade. And there was a small number of students there that were going to a parish, like outside school, to just go through. We did call it CCD here. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. CCD. So like once a week we would go there, we would read some books and just whatever. And yeah, at the end of the year, we would do communion. Yeah. And at the time, because my only uh, scholar experience was in a Catholic school, I was like, I don't want to do this, but what if like 10 years from now, I didn't do it Yeah, and I regret it. They, they already get you on pre-guilt or pre- yeah. <laughs> And like, you're also you're- like nine years old trying to make these decisions. So in my, in my nine-year-old mind, it was like, I, what if I don't get my GED and then I need it? <laughs> right. I didn't understand that this was not part of my actual education. Yeah. It was all tied up for you. That makes sense. Because that's how it was presented. It's like, it's all, it's all one. Just like you need math, you need right. the Bible. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. Like I'm already, I, I literally remember <laughs> saying to my mom, I'm already one year in. I just need another one. So <laughs> I might, might just get well it done. Finish that degree. Because yes. <laughs> I'm a nerd before everything else. There we go. Yes. I understand. You don't want to be like, oh, I did it. I understand. You want to like check that box. Get that gold I don't star. want people to think that I'm lazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm committed to this. <laughs> so you did you did confession and communion. The yeah, that uh, one yeah. time. And I never did again. <laughs> <laughs> never in your life. But you did it. <gasps> Didn't need it. <laughs> but you were not confirmed then ever, right? Or no. I'm assuming. No. <laughs> okay. No, and that's usually in the that's usually in eighth grade. And by then, I was very sure that I was. Yeah. Great. I had already for you. <laughs> put together a few things. And uh, at that time, of course, my only understanding of Catholic Church was that one school I went to. Yeah. So yeah. in my brain, all the Catholic Church is like these people, like the one right. who divides soldiers and red hooded girls. <laughs> red hooded girls. <laughs> 
So it's like a Handmaid's Tale. There was still a lot of <laughs> yeah. learning like. to be done. <laughs> yeah. But in my mind, I was like, I don't want to be a part of that for sure. That's yeah. Decided. That's a costume you won't see me wearing. <laughs> <laughs> too much baggage and then and then the handmaid still comes up and i'm like okay i see now now it's all there oh man i did dress as little red riding hood one year as an adult because well the reason was that i had just had a baby and i found a very cute wolf costume for him and i was like well i'll be red riding hood it was pretty cute but i bet (laughs) my kids still have the hood but they're boys so they're boy (laughs) red riding hoods we're brave we're breaking barriers over here absolutely <laughs> so you your story that i heard you tell the night that we both told catholic stories mm-hmm. you talked about applying for a job at a catholic institution as a an atheist or maybe an atheist with a question mark at the end of that because that was sort of part of the story but um but as someone who had sort of clearly on paper rejected catholicism yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not ashamed. I'm like fully, fully atheist at this yeah. point. It's like yeah. there's so much more to reject than embrace for me at this point. It would probably be different if I was born somewhere else, but mm. yeah, the way I experience it and I see it impact like hold back people's rights in yeah. Argentina. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to fight this. Like, yeah. I absolutely need to fight this. Then, like, whatever you want to do in your personal time, I'm fine. But we absolutely need to get this relationship between the government and this church yeah. dissolved as soon as possible. And then we can discuss other stuff. But this is, like, urgent. And yeah. so that fuels me. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, I basically was interviewing for a job, like an admin job mm-hmm. at a Catholic place. And I was kind of nervous because I was like, I don't know. What what am I getting myself into? The only thing that was kind of making it less terrible for me was that it was a Jesuit institution. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I always feel that way, too. I'm like, oh, the Jesuits (laughs) might be the safe space. I don't know. I know. It's not open to die. They betray me from time to time. Yeah. Which I have my own commentary on Jesuits in Argentina, too. I bet. I bet. There's some famous ones. Maybe one one real famous one <laughs> currently. No, because you don't the, the the things that the Jesuits were good at is being humble. Mm-hmm. So they usually name things uh with the names of like other Catholic people, not themselves. Mm-hmm. That's very mm-hmm. nice of them because the secular people they name their own name. Yeah. <laughs> they, they name like it's Eliana Avenue. It's never right. oh I'm gonna pay respect to whoever came before me. It's like no, mm-hmm. this is gonna be Eliana Avenue. Yeah. And the Jesuits were like no, this is gonna be eh, Arzobispo, Virrey, no sé qué, Loreto. And it's like okay, sure, someone who came before you. There you go. I think naming that the Jesuits have humility in general, or that's how we see it. I feel like in the Catholic Church, there's like oh yeah, we value humility, but that tends to just fall a lot more heavily on women and nuns in particular. Like there's such mm-hmm. a focus on humility and Mary. It's like the picture of humility, right? It's like this priest who kind of gets to call all the shots at this particular parish. Where's his humility? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great, mm-hmm. I just, just, it's a, it's a value I think about a lot when I think about the Catholic church in terms of what they say versus what it looks like in practice. Yeah, totally. And so the way I see Jesuits is uh, there's just so much. Well, the Catholic Church was basically either killing or enslaving 
natives in Argentina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesuits were kind of building walls around them and making them into their own little town that they were not really free, but they were protected from the other Catholics that were going to come kill them and enslave them. Mm. Okay. So they were allowed to keep some of their culture, some of their religion, mm -hmm. as long as they were doing their Catholic dues. Mm. And the reductions were self-sufficient in the way that they were not sending money back to Europe, which was what everyone else was doing, both mm -hmm. secular and religious. And so in a way, like taking freedoms from these people, like they mm -hmm. weren't really free to come and go as much as they wanted. And they did need to work to keep this miniature city going, but right. it wasn't for the profit of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It was for this dystopian idea of a self-sufficient, religious, yet kind of socialist city. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. But like, if you were a native at that time, that was the best place for you to be. Because you were mm. safe, you were protected, you have a job, you have food on the table, your kids are safe. And when they left, when they were expelled from Argentina, the Jesuits, uh, for the natives, it was a, it was terrible. terrible. Yeah, yeah, because they were left without basically jobs, without the structure of a city Any around protection. again. So hmm. they had no protection. They had no job security. There was no industry going. So they either needed to move to bigger cities and become laborers, or just live poorly in the middle of nowhere. Wow, God. And in the in the in the meantime, they would be taught to read and write, which no one else was teaching natives to read and write. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. like oh, complicated. It's very complicated. So that's my understanding of Jesuits in Argentina. <laughs> that tracks. I feel like when the Catholic Church is doing something remotely good, they like fall in that place all the time, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. you're not fully dismantling the system that is the problem and that the Catholic mm -hmm. Church is involved in. Like you're not doing it, but you're like being kind of helpful. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's where yeah. I always... It kind of reminds me of, you know how when a guy is hitting on you and he doesn't stop and you say, I have a boyfriend because he's going to respect your invisible boyfriend more than he's going to respect your own desires as a woman. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the same because like the people who were living in Jesuit reductions were only safe because to the other Catholics, they were already under a Catholic hmm. domain. Yeah. And it's like, oh, OK, I, I, I know you. I know you. Right. That's a great <laughs> metaphor. I love the idea of. Jesuits as invisible boyfriends. I, I really like that. that might be the title of this episode. <laughs> Jesuits are my invisible boyfriends. That's true. <laughs> Amazing, right? And now they're they're my invisible boss. <laughs> no, they are. Yeah. Are you still working at this institution? I wow. Okay. So how does? I'm guessing their religion isn't too oppressive or at least not oppressive enough that makes um, you want to quit so i was worried interviewing for them because i didn't know how oppressive he was going to yeah. be and it was only one question out of a two and a half hour interview so i was oh. like that's a pretty good ratio yeah if we can keep this ratio i'm totally happy <laughs> yeah, right it's a long interview ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> who has that kind of time The Invisible Boyfriend does. That's I who. interviewed with four people, and then I interviewed one-on-one, -on -one, and then I was giving a, a tour of the place. Wow. And I was like, I'm already an hour and a half late to work because <laughs> yeah. of this interview. But when I started working there, um, I came to learn that nobody gives a damn. I yeah. Like, yeah, sure, it's a 
Catholic-run institution, and we get emails that say, okay, this is a month of whatever, and we encourage people to be introspective about whatever this means, and so on, so on, and we invite you to this luncheon uh, where we're going to discuss this, and we also have these retreats where you go and pray because you don't have time in your personal life to pray, but right. we want you to pray so you can take two days of time off to come pray hmm. with your coworkers, and okay, I'm just not going to go do the praying. Yeah. Sure. I can do that. I went to DePaul for my master's in Chicago, mm-hmm. and Every once in a while, we'd get some sort of mass email that's like something, something church. And I'd be like, oh, that's right. I go to Catholic school. Like, (laughs) other than that, there was no – I was just at theater school doing godforsaken theater things, you know, like just You saw where the money was too. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't care. They did not care. Yeah. And then I'll – yeah, then every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, that's that's right. Weird. And it was different because even – I wasn't at DePaul, but I had a lot of friends who were, and I would hang out. There was some kind of um, service house, and it was, like, somewhat religiously yeah. affiliated at DePaul, and I would hang out there a lot. But it's where all the, like, kind of hippie kids hung out, and, like, most of them were queer, and also in the – it was called still called a GSA at that point, like, Gay Straight yeah. Alliance, which nobody says anymore. It shows how old I am. And um, <laughs> those were, like, also the people I was hanging out with because my friends were in that group. So – yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if that's still how it is, but it just felt like it feels like unless it's one of the particularly conservative universities, it seems like most they don't. the American Catholic universities I've interacted with are just a little lighter on the Catholicism. They just want your tuition money. <laughs> I was going to say, they just they want, just want your money. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> money doesn't have religion. If you'll pay them, they'll take it. Yeah. And it, it kind of explains why Catholics... Uh, Catholicism is not as strong here because it's like I've been pursued by the other branch and like you're <laughs> you're care. not yeah you're not doing it as well like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I that mean, was gonna be my question like what for you what what's the difference in terms of Catholicism that you have noticed like between Argentina and the U.S. or I guess specifically Chicago I mean we're particularly Catholic in Chicago I would say Um, There's a pretty large population here. I have not met a Catholic person in Chicago. (laughs) Or at least openly Catholic. Openly. (laughs) Because I'm like, like, I can tell a Catholic in Argentina from miles apart. Mm. Like, it's like, how can you not tell? (laughs) And here, it's so much more subtle. Mm. It's kind of like, but I think it comes from like, the fact that this whole country was funded under the notion of like we're gonna let everybody do their own thing and we're just trying to not go to war with each other over this so everybody do your best and trust just i don't know if you came at the such a great time with the supreme court having a bunch of catholics on it who are just like destroying things left and right i don't yeah and it's weird because I know that there's like a huge battle right now between catholic and non-catholic christianity happening Mm -hmm like worldly and in Argentina right now uh it's evangelists I don't know if that's the correct translation who are kind of taking over and they're becoming way more aggressive while the catholic church is kind of stepping back they're like we're good we have our we have our property we have our money we have our people we have this socialist pope Mm -hmm. we're switching things up and seeing who we can keep and who we can gather now. And the evangelists are like, no, we're going to go deep into the the most conservative values of yeah. Christianity right now. Yeah. So right now, 
Catholicism is kind of being a lot more laid back. Well, they've got a pope. I mean, I feel like once they they were like, we got our pope in. I don't know if they're just like, we're we're good. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I think we joked about this, but having a pope that is like, oh yeah, trans people are people. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's like what? <laughs> What's going on? The Catholic people, the practicing Catholics are like, I guess we're good with that then. I don't know. <laughs> like, who approved of this? Like, right? sure, I'm, I'm on. But like, if I say that in a school, right? Yeah. People are not cool with that. I know. Yeah. And then the Pope's just throwing things around now. I love it. Listen, Francis has us every day up and we're all over the place. We're with him. Well, one we day we're him. like... <laughs> We he makes hate us crazy. him. We're disappointed. <laughs> it's all over. We're like, oh right, he's still Catholic. That's still going on. But then yeah. sometimes he fools you. You're like, oh look, this feels like actual progress. Mm-hmm. It's like you can bless same sex sex couples, uh, but you're actually just blessing them as individuals, and they happen to be a couple, <laughs> and it can't be in a wedding. You're like, oh, it's <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, but that's interesting about the evangelical thing. I just saw a. Uh, a TikTok or something by a comedian who I should probably another Catholic race comedian. I wish I remembered her name. I don't, but it popped up on my for you page because TikTok knows everything about us and knows that I was raised <laughs> Catholic. But she was saying that I mean there so there is a little bit of a movement in the US for some evangelicals or some really conservative Christians, maybe even Protestants who like those they were in a Protestant religion and that got a little too progressive for them. So they're going to Catholicism and becoming these Mm -hmm. like rad trad, these like radical traditionalist Catholics. But she was like, they're bringing the wrong energy because Catholics like don't talk about being Catholic all the time. That scene is kind of weird. Like you're supposed to like, we're not like, can I pray for you? And then we do it out loud. Like we go do it quietly in the corner. So she was like, they're, they're like outing themselves by the fact that they're like talking so much about being catholic it's like no we don't we don't do that i don't know i think that is real at least in the u.s like there's a different vibe absolutely maybe that's changing i don't know yeah i've never met a catholic family that like they pray together and they are doing these things like yeah maybe they have a baby jesus when they're doing the i don't even know the name for this the little nativity set yes they have that yeah but that's about it (laughs) I I was tasked recently I had to take somebody who wanted to go to mass who'd never oh. been and so I was like okay I'll take you and he brought a bite his own bible and I was like oh we don't we don't do that <laughs> there I don't even think there are bibles <laughs> he goes but I got a catholic one I go you just read from the little book we don't bring our bible <laughs> you think you're better than us right I was like what are you looking for? Context? <laughs> what do you think this is? I go, you get the two sentences we give you in the readings and that's it. Like we don't get to read around it. <laughs> oh, I have a question. Because one of the things that I remember from mass is that, you know, that part of mass when you're like embracing your person next to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, like the peace be with you stuff. Yeah. What do you do? Do you do like handshake, hug, kiss? What do you do? Now, after COVID, everyone just goes like, hi, does the oh, peace really? sign. I haven't been to mass since COVID. They're just like, peace be with you from over what about here. Before, before, before they shakes. would shake hands. And then if it was your family, some you might hug or something, but usually. Hug. We hug family. What okay. do you do? 
Why? Cultural shock. Okay. Yeah. So in real life, no, I'm talking about outside of mass. Yeah. Um, Argentinians, when we meet each other, just- we kiss on the chick mm-hmm. just once. But that's standard. Women, women, uh, woman, woman, man, woman, like man, man, that's a little depends. But we kiss. There's mm-hmm. That's the standard. If you don't kiss, it's because like this is a business meeting and you don't know mm-hmm. this person. <laughs> okay. But otherwise, you kiss. In mass, you kiss the person next to you on the chair. Oh, oh, so you're like, oh man, that's a lot of you're you're kissing everybody, and then all you're all drinking from the same cup. Does like everyone walk out <laughs> with a cold? We also drink mate, which is literally like passing yeah. along. You have uh, to. Oh, have to pass that. I love mate. I was just talking about mate. So we, we're very into each other's bodies. Germs. Everyone gets it together. <laughs> it's probably healthier. <laughs> It's the body of Christ, but it's also your body. And your <laughs> yeah. body. And your there we body. go. <laughs> Everyone gets it. I went to mass in India when I was studying abroad there. I hadn't voluntarily gone to mass in like a decade. And I was like, I want to check this out. Uh, and so I went to mass. And the only time that I didn't know the correct moves is when the sign of peace, because I went to shake hands and everybody like namaskared with like their hands. Oh. You know, you put your hands together and you just like give a little... A little nod to people basically and I was like oh right I'm in India still like they didn't just uh, that's the one part that's yeah I guess that's the part that's different in different places is how people say hello I wonder if I bet they didn't even do that before we're thinking like Vatican II in the whenever in the 60s was like when a lot of those shifts happened I don't even think the sign of peace happened before that is Vatican II really? I think that's I a Vatican know. II thing it's my guess that's be my nice guess. to each other and say something in English I'll have to ask <laughs> Yeah, it was like passing of the peace. And, you know, a big part of Vatican II is like we do it all in the local language. Is Mass was in the local language instead right. of Latin. So I imagine maybe the greeting that was like a decision, like the greeting is whatever the local mm. custom is. To ask our parents. Or that's how you pass along yellow fever. Who knows? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that was also a thing back then. Yeah. If any of our listeners have been somewhere else in a different country or where they they do the sign of peace in a different way that we have not named here please let us know um one of the things that i was uh that i found when i was like researching jesuits for this job yes is that because i was like i need to dig deeper into this in these reductions in argentina one of the things that they institutionalized was napping was what oh napping napping taking a nap Taking, I was lunch. like, I thought I heard you. I was like, I want to institutionalize napping. Steph, Steph, the look on Steph's face looks like your ears perked up. Like, like, I'm sorry, did you say what? Did you say napping? Everyone should get napping. Tell me you have a baby without telling me you have a baby. Uh, <laughs> Steph's like, I'm happy. Um, I'll nap immediately. Yeah, okay. Tell us more. Yes. So napping was already common practice in some parts of the country in Argentina because it's also like siesta. something happens in yeah siesta yeah. happens internationally because there's places in the world where like when the sun hits in at noon it's too hot you can't work yeah it's impossible so you need to go to the shade and do something chill for a couple of mm-hmm. hours and actually the work day kind of prolongs into and it's like two parts of work so mm. you work from like nine to noon and then mm-hmm. you go back to work from four to eight or something like that oh wow and that's still very common in a lot of parts of argentina very reasonably yeah yeah but jesuits were like yeah that's we're gonna 
what we're going to do. We're going to keep Siesta around. It's going to be a part of the way we distribute work in the reduction. I love that. I can't be mad about that. No, me neither. And I feel like that's not particularly Catholic. So we talk about how Catholics aren't great at like resting. There's like a, I don't know, I read something recently from a former nun and it's like they sleep like four to five hours a night. Like they're just expected to be up super early and working all day and late night. So yeah, I'm all for naps. Let's do that. Let's do naps. I, I kind of want to like ask at work, like, hey, what about naps? No one said anything yeah. about naps. I heard you guys were Jesuits. <laughs> like, let's do this. I, yeah. My but then you might have it. to stay there till eight o'clock. So that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. And especially in, in the winter in Chicago, that's like it's been dark for hours at that point. <laughs> yeah. But I would really like to have a little like pillow where I can oh, just be so lay horizontally nice. for a minute. Truly, we should. I I believe in this next generation to usher in something like that. We should not all be. We all need a rest partway through the day. Because yes. like I'm I'm basically legally forced to be off work for a whole hour for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I don't like I'm not going I'm not cooking a meal. So why would I no. need an hour? Right. It's not enough time to go to a doctor's appointment either. Like No. <laughs> so what am I supposed to do with that hour? Give me a place to rest. A little cot. When I did a year of AmeriCorps, my fellow AmeriCorps members and I were at a school. There were five of us we got our own classroom so we absolutely did create a nap station and occasionally you'd walk in there and someone would be napping in the corner just like oh be quiet (laughs) i love it Um, i worked for my dad for a couple of years and uh, he's a lawyer and his office was downtown and i was taking classes at night downtown too so i didn't want to like go back and forth Mm -hmm. so i brought a sleeping bag and a pillow and I was like, I would close out the office when everyone was yes. gone and just take naps and just go straight to class afterwards. And when I left the the job, my dad was like, sure, you can go. But can I keep the sleeping bag at the pillow? Because <laughs> whenever I have like something to do at night downtown, I also stay in the office and I use uh, the, a sleeping bag. <laughs> I feel like Love Jesuits, it. if you're listening, they're not listening. But if you're listening, listening, this is really an area where I feel like they could be be doing much more PR and if they you know marketed themselves as nap positive I feel like they might get yes. more interest yeah it's like per- progress but at a minimum pace it's like yeah, without upset- upsetting anyone <laughs> <laughs> I love it so I've only seen you Eliana as a storyteller and you're hilarious as a storyteller but I haven't seen you do stand-up um does Catholicism come up at all or your catholic school upbringing does that ever come up in your comedy um it did for a minute but it's weird because like i feel like complaining about the catholic church it's such a boomer (laughs) type of rebellion (laughs) it's like oh god does he exist (laughs) it's like what dig a little dipper like what what I, I don't know. I feel like making a whole, like most of my comedy comes from a place of like rage or criticism. Like mm-hmm. I, I also have like silly things and just like talking about my, my period and stuff. But for the most part, it comes from finding something that is either unfair or I or doesn't make sense or yeah. just upsets me. And like being like church, it's like what? <laughs> they would not. 
So it doesn't quite fit in your brand of comedy. Yeah, not really. I feel like it, it makes a lot of sense that Ricky Gervais spent so much time talking about it. But I am like 200 years younger than Ricky Gervais. <laughs> and I should be at a different conversation. Yeah. Like we can, we can talk it at the, like the family table, but yeah. yeah, it feels like an outdated type of conversation. So, I mean, maybe I'll see people talking ab- ab- about the more specific parts of it and I can find that a very interesting mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes comedy for the purpose of comedy simplifies things a lot mm-hmm. and so it becomes this very basic of like ah, Catholics or yeah, silly kind of- <laughs> and it's like mm, I don't care it's not like that. a like, fresh take yeah no no and I, like right now I have I feel like all my once rage for Catholic Church has now slightly shifted to um, what's it called? All the all the non-religious yet religious practices. So everything that has to do with believing in stuff happening Uh without any evidence of it happening. Okay. Oh, like so manifesting that kind of stuff. Is that what you're talking about? The universe told me to do or Reiki. Yes. Um, ast- astrology. I have a big problem with astrology. <laughs> like, I, 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 and I know I'm a minority, and so right now, right now, sp- speaking against astrology is oh, way yeah. more rebellious than speaking against. Yeah, the especially church. with young, yeah, with like young audiences or like audiences our age and younger. Yeah. Millennial groups are super. People are like, oh, my Scorpio rise. Like, I, it's intense. Yeah. And it's like, my people are feminists, queers, usually atheists or agnostics or like low key, slightly practicing some religion, but they all believe that they were born in August. So their personality is whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> it took me. 25 years to round myself with these people who are like-minded like me and they were like no god doesn't exist and on top of that they shouldn't be involved in our politics and our civil rights but let's read what this woman has to say on the people who are born in born in January and I'm like what you're like you fall into that like yeah true skeptic category which is you're yeah. you're right it's harder to find because people want to believe in something it feels like, and they're like, yeah, I guess I it's think this that's lady writing a call. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It, that's I find that very problematic. I I understand the the urge, but at the same time, I'm like, what about the? Because it's like, um, it's like this um fake news problem we're having. Mm-hmm. It's like the moment we're not talking facts, right? We're in trouble. We're literally going to war over something that that are not facts. Yeah. So. I feel like Beliefs. facts could bring us together mm-hmm. and the rest is like seasoning. But we cannot spend our time discussing, like literally discussing over non-facts. It's like, yeah, you can and be the- fighting over what God looks like or what God means by this or what people wrote about God and what that means. Sure, get together with your friends and talk about it. But that cannot be the war. Time spent on public discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're in this place now where people can't even agree on facts, or people make up their own facts, and it gets so yeah. Wild. So it's like, oh, you want to get together with friends and dress up as Harry Potter? That sounds fantastic, <laughs> and you can have your own little situations where you mimic like a, a sports where you'd write 
brooms. Fun, <laughs> exciting, sounds wonderful. You're having That's the time of religion. your life and no one's hurt. <laughs> really. Now, we can, we cannot have one country being like, no, no, it's it, uh, slithering and another country being it's one of the other ones. It's like, no, we need to discuss facts as a mm -hmm. world and leave the other stuff for af like after school <laughs> programs. <Yeah. laughs> it's weird how something that feels like it should be entertainment becomes belief systems sometimes to me. Yeah. A lot of this looks like Harry Potter or whatnot. I'm like, it was fun. <laughs> But like, why are we, I don't yeah. know, fighting over it. And it's business. And then it dribbles into other things. And I'm like, can we just not? Like, your comedy sounds provocative. And I would like <laughs> to listen to it. <laughs> I don't live in Chicago, so I can't see you uh, automatically. But if I come visit, I'm going to find you. That's for sure. Yeah, I will need to come see you now. You can find stuff on YouTube. I honestly don't think it's that provocative. But maybe because I've been living in my own brain for 31 years. <laughs> <Maybe>. So... <laughs> It doesn't feel like it, it's been repeating over for years now. Sure. Yeah. Well, where can folks find you if they are wanting yeah, to I wanna hear see. more, see more? <laughs> I want to see some of this, some YouTube. Where can we find you? You can find me uh, either Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube as Eliana La Casa. That's E-L-I-A-N-A. -A, and my last name is The House in Spanish, which is not a stage name. It's my real name. It's great. It just works out because it's the one word that everyone knows. Everyone knows. Yeah. It's true. So thank you, Dad, for that one. For <laughs> right? that one. And I'm so sorry that there's not going to be anyone else on this world with that last name from here. Uh, on. It, oh. it ends here. <laughs> it ends here? <laughs> sorry. Oh, and so the other thing that we do, we do a special collection here where we invite listeners to donate if they're interested. Is there an organization you would like to shout out for our listeners to donate to? Yeah, I mean, immediately I was thinking about organizations that I have heard in Argentina, but right now Argentina is kind of being in a very blocked financial situation because the conversion rate and the platforms mm. and like there's a lot of, it's kind of impossible mm. to send money to Argentina or received money from Argentina. So being that I'm in Chicago right now and I'm in Rogers Park, Food Now Bombs, it's a good organization here that does food distribution and activities. And it's like, it's non-government related. It's not religious related. They're just neighbors helping neighbors. And they have a really good system. That's great. Yeah. And much needed in Chicago right now. So mm -hmm. I will link that in our show notes. Thank you so much. Well, Eliana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was delightful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And educational. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we will end this uh, the way we end all of our episodes. Steph and Eliana, and also with you. Also with you, Anne. And Eliana. Also with you. And I'm kissing. <laughs> oh, yay. Make it Argentinian. <laughs>